wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Folks, to Wrestle Rant Radio for January 11th on the anniversary of Monday Night Raw. It was 25 years ago today, Monday Night Raw was born. But we're bringing you Wrestle Rant Radio ahead of the Royal Rumble later on this month. We've got the 25th anniversary of Raw in just less than two weeks. Mixed Match Challenge, TakeOver Philadelphia. It's one of the craziest times in recent WWE history. Very exciting time in WWE right now, of course. But we're, we're making history on Wrestle Rant Radio recently, which is why we're bringing in not one, but two guests. For today's show, from the High Spot Podcast, we got Jeff Martin and Brian the Trendsetter. You guys can check them out on the Twitter machine at High Spot Podcast or website HighSpotPodcast.com. Their show drops every single Friday on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podbean, etc., etc. They're awesome. We've spoke before. First time here on Wrestle Rant Radio. Jeff, we'll start with you. Welcome to the show, dude. I am doing great. Thanks for having us on. You know, you said like. 25 year anniversary. I feel old, man, because I saw the first episode of Monday Night Raw, so I feel really old. Thanks for rubbing that in. <laughs> of course, of course. Brian, were you there for the first episode of Raw as well? Were you around for that point in time? I was around for that point in time, but I always enjoy making Jeff feel old, so thank you for that. <laughs> I really appreciate that. <laughs> of course, of course. Before we get started, I kind of mentioned everything there, but is there anything else we'd like to plug before we get started? I mean, thanks for the uh, plug right there. That was great. Yeah, our show drops every Friday. We've got amazing guests. We also have our YouTube channel, too. The iSpot Podcast. We've got great interviews uh, with the likes of uh, Alberto El Patron. we got uh, Bullet Club members Marty Skrull and Hangman Page, who just actually won the 2017 Ring, Ring of Honor Breakout Star of the Year. So, yeah, check out our YouTube channel, too. It's, uh, it's running there, and uh, we hope to add more interviews in the near future. Very awesome. So you mentioned it right there, Adam Page, Marty Skrull, some of the breakout stars right now in Ring of Honor. I know I spoke to you guys about a month ago when I had mentioned I went to Final Battle. Were you guys both there or was only one of you there? We were there, actually. We were actually covering the event. Uh, we were able to uh, do media, so we were able to talk to the, the guys there, and they were gracious. We talked to Jay Lethal, uh, Joshua Woods, who won the, uh, I think he was like the rookie uh, for Ring of Honor, uh, so uh, really had a great chance to meet the guys for Ring of Honor. Well done, great event, and it was fun, man. I mean, you were there. I mean, it, it was it was a great atmosphere. Absolutely. It was a great show. Ring of Honor never disappoints. If I knew you guys were there ahead of time, I definitely would have hooked up at one point. But uh, yeah, it was definitely a great show, start to finish. And they're going to be back at the Manhattan Center, the uh, Hammerstein Ballroom, whatever. I think in early March, their Manhattan Mayhem show, so that should be pretty cool. Uh, but speaking of New York City, you guys were there for that show in that very same building. Like I mentioned, in just less than two weeks, we got the 25th anniversary of Raw, not only the Manhattan Center, but also at Barclays, too. It's going to be an epic event. They just announced this past week. We got Stone Cold Steve Austin on the show, The Undertaker, DX. I mean, who doesn't want to see the Boogeyman in person? I mean, come on, that's going to be a great show. They got a lot of legends. <laughs> 
there at Live in the Flesh. Uh, will you guys be there for that show too, or was it just a one-off for Final Battle? Dude, it was just a one-off for uh, Final Battle, but uh, you know, we'll be watching uh, from the uh, comfort of our homes, uh, watching that, but uh, uh, looking forward to it, man. Like I think uh, once they said the Boogeyman was there, I, I was sold. I'm going to be glued <laughs> to my TV watching uh, Monday Night Raw. I'm excited. I mean, they announced the Million Dollar Man, Teddy Biasi, just last night or on Tuesday night on SmackDown. Uh, it can't be a complete package without Virgil. you got to get Virgil there. I know the guy's really busy nowadays, but hopefully they bring him in for the uh, for the big show in less than two weeks. But that being said, any other shows on the horizon for you guys? Uh, well, we will actually be, the next time we're on the road, Trendsetter, I think we're going to be uh, for Mania Weekend, so we'll be traveling over there. And I think we're actually going to NXT as fans, so we're going to you know, just put the media to the side and just watch NXT take over as fans. But the next time we'll be covering something, we'll probably be WrestleMania Weekend, right, Trendsetter? Yeah, it'll be. It'll be a crazy trip, and we have other things we're doing in between that. But we're covering WWE, definitely be the road to WrestleMania. Uh, we'll be going as fans, like Jeff said. In Philadelphia on the 27th of January. Uh, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll, we'll run into something. You always have to have your equipment on you just in case you do get a chance to interview somebody. But uh, like Jeff said, we'll be doing WrestleCon. We'll be doing Access. Uh, we do all the local promotion events there like Evolve, Ring of Honor, WrestlePro. Uh, and yeah, it should be a ton. Very nice. Now, I know we spoke around this time last year. I went to WrestleMania 33, my first ever WrestleMania. And you guys were not at that mania. Is that correct? No, we went there. We just keep missing each other, man. We just, <laughs> we, we just, we, we just, a lot of communication uh, with met up there too, man. Had a great time in the, in Orlando. But uh, we tried to get, tried to there was it like five WrestleMania's now we've been to since New York. So yeah, so yeah, yeah man. I mean, nah, so you definitely have to go to North Man. You got to steal Bourbon Street, bro. I mean, you really have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I've heard. It looks like it's going to be a great mania. I mean, I've heard only but good things, nothing but good things about those that went to WrestleMania 30 and the environment on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. So uh, I don't think I'll be going to that one, though I did hear quick thoughts before we get into everything that happened this past week in WWE um, that it was rumored, I'm not sure if this came from Meltzer or someone else, that WrestleMania 35 might be coming to the Northeast. Any idea on where that might be ending up, guys? Well, there have been rumors that the, you know might be Philadelphia. Philadelphia has been bidding for it. Uh, they kind of lost out, I believe, this year for New Orleans. Uh, Jeff had told me plenty of the rumors have been they might bring it back to MetLife Stadium, which would be awesome for me, considering I don't have to spend so much money on travel and expenses. It's literally right, uh, right in my backyard, so uh, no issues there. But, uh, yeah, Jeff, I, I've only heard those two uh, scenarios, maybe Philly or, or uh, New York, New Jersey. What about you? Same thing. I, I kind of read that uh, MetLife was going to get it this year, but New Orleans kind of uh, made a better presentation with the whole 100-year centennial for New Orleans. I think WWE just thought it was a better move to go back to New Orleans, but I'm pretty much – I'm not going to guarantee this, but most likely uh, WrestleMania 35 will be uh, MetLife in New York City. No, I heard something – it might have been about a year ago at this point – that they were contemplating going to Gillette Stadium. I don't know if it was for a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam. I'm not exactly sure, but obviously those plans fell through. Um, any desires of seeing a future WrestleMania or a SummerSlam or any big pay-per-view at that arena at some point down the road? Um, yeah, I mean, SummerSlam makes more sense because, I mean, you know, April, I don't, you know, here in the Northeast, you really – playing with fire as far as uh, the weather, you know, uh, I think uh, when WrestleMania 29 was here, we kind of lucked out, it was kind of mild 
but uh, you never know, especially like up in Gillette and Boston, you, you just don't know what kind of weather you're going to get. If you're going to get, you know, snow or, or, you know, freezing rain, you just don't know. But uh, yeah, I would love to see like a SummerSlam at a stadium like that in Boston. Uh, sure, why not? Yeah, I guess only time will tell. I mean, I know they're going back to Barclays for the summer of 2018, already this coming summer. So I guess we'll see what their deal is with the Barclays and with Brooklyn after this year is over. If they go somewhere else in the Northeast, they go back to Los Angeles, which was obviously perfect for the um, for the summer. But I think New York is also a great setting as well. So we'll see. Um, but speaking of pay-per-views, talking about WrestleMania, talking about SummerSlam, we got the Royal Rumble coming up later this month. Uh, Jeff, I'll start with you. Any favorite Royal Rumble memories and any experiences that you've had at Royal Rumble pay-per-views in person? Well, my favorite Royal Rumble has got to be 1992. It's when Ric Flair uh, won the WWF title at the time. Uh, you go from the star-studded uh, Royal Rumble as far as the participants, and then you go with Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon's classic uh, talk, piping up Ric Flair and Ric Flair entering in number three, just you know all that excitement. So I'm going to say 92 was my favorite. I have not attended the Royal Rumble yet, um, but uh, this year is going to be pretty exciting now that you have uh, uh, the first ever uh, women's Royal Rumble. So I think 30 participants will be in that too. So um, looking forward to that. No, I have not attended one, but my favorite one is 1992 Trendsetter, right? Uh, Ric Flair. Is it fair to Flair? Is it fair to Flair? That is my favorite by far Royal Rumble. Yeah, Jeff keeps always talking about that one and, and showing it while he's listening to the network, which is pre-plugged for the network right there. But uh, I would have to say, like, yeah, 92 is more star-packed. I mean, there's a who's who's list of uh, superstars there. But I'm, I'm kind of particularly favored to 1996, just for the fact that the historical preference behind it, because that was the first time ever a guy like Shawn Michaels entered in as number one and walked out and won the entire Royal Rumble. Now, granted, it led to a, a lackluster WrestleMania 11 facing Diesel for the title, but still, historical preference, that's probably one of my favorites. What Wasn't the 96 one led to WrestleMania 12? Yeah, 95 is WrestleMania 11. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my mistake. I, I had my dates mixed up. Oh, no, it's okay. At least you guys said uh, good moments with Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. I was worried you were going to say when Batista won the Rumble in 2014 or Roman Reigns in 2015. <laughs> I, your wrestling fandom depended on those answers, so you answered the right way, so we'll keep you on the phone for the rest of the show. Um, but two <laughs> great answers that. there. <laughs> two great answers there. I mean, the last few Royal Rumbles obviously have been kind of up in the air between the 2014 Rumble, 2015 Rumble, both in Pennsylvania. This this year's installment will also be emanating from Philadelphia. Uh, so we'll see how it kind of shakes out. But the card as it currently stands is pretty strong. As you guys mentioned, we got two women's, or we got two Rumbles between the women and the men, two tag title matches, a handicap match with the WWE Championship, a three-way for the Universal Championship, and probably a Cruiserweight title match thrown in there somewhere. Uh, it's a pretty stacked card, all things considered. Uh, Brian, I'll start with you this time. Any thoughts on the upcoming card for Rumble? Will it be better than previous installments from recent years? I think time will tell on that one. Like you said, it's pretty star-studded in terms of like historical factors, like Jeff had mentioned you talked about right now, where the first time ever we're going to see a women's Royal Rumble. You know, The, the question is always, are you going to have enough females to fill in 30 competitors? It looks like they're going to. We might see some people from the past come in, which is always kind of enjoyable, even in the uh, the current Royal Rumble that we are, are, are looking at. But yeah, I mean, the W Championship, the Universal title, the only thing that always concerned me was that, you know, initially the historical factor of the Royal Rumble was that, you know, 30 men would compete to see who would face the champion at WrestleMania for the W Championship. Now that you have two split uh, championships on two separate brands, 
it kind of it kind of creates a level of uh, trying to figure out where the storyline is going. Are they going to focus more on the Universal title, or are they going to focus more on the WWE Championship per set WrestleMania? So whoever wins it, you definitely know that's going to be the main event. So to me, time will tell. Uh, it's it's an interesting card, but for me, I'm more interested to see where storyline-wise they're going for. They're really going to to go for the whole Roman Reigns factor now currently he's the Intercontinental Champion are they trying to set up Brock and Roman Reigns or are they really trying to put the focus now on the WWE Championship and AJ Styles which I think you know in terms of track record he's proven right now that he's to me one of the top guys in WWE what about you Jeff any expectations going into the Rumble later this month you know what Graham I got I got I gotta tell you guys this. I'm interested in whether they're going to have Roman Reigns win the Rumble again because we <laughs> saw the backlash, especially in Philadelphia. Would they? Would they dare? Would Vince dare do that again one more time to the Philadelphia fans? That's interesting. Honestly, uh, I'm more interested in whether they can revive uh, what's been kind of a lackluster start for Shinsuke Nakamura. I totally believe. I totally believe that Shinsuke should win the Rumble, set up the matchup with AJ Styles for WrestleMania. Because honestly, I think AJ Styles should keep title till WrestleMania and fight Shinsuke for it. I'm a big fan of that, and kind of teased about that when they had their confrontation uh, at Money in the Bank. I really want to see them um, go with that for the title. And come on, you can always do Roman and, 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 you know, Brock Lesnar. You know, you don't really need to have Roman win the title. I mean, you can do that natural. But, I mean, I think a win for Shinsuke Nakamura at the Rumble would be so huge for him, and I think it would just set up the anticipation of Shinsuke and uh, AJ Styles. So is that your official pick for right now? I'm going to make the pick. I'm going to go uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. What about you, Brian? Who's your current pick to win the Rumble? Uh, I hate to say it, but I think they will dare, Jeff. Vince will dare do that again and <laughs> make it all about uh, Roman Reigns. Because like, right now, currently, he's he set up with a few with, with The Miz. There's no question that you know you could have it where Reigns loses the title to The Miz in some quirky way, not, not clean, obviously. And it'll start setting up the whole scenario because if you look back at the whole triple threat match that's going to happen at the Rumble, Paul Heyman going out and saying there's not one person that could beat the baddest man in the room, which is Brock Lesnar. They've been they've been quiet on this. They haven't touched each other since you know WrestleMania in, in San Jose. So it looks like it's set up there, and I think Vince has the balls enough to dare do that to the Philadelphia crowd. So I, I, my pick would be Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship at Mania. I'm looking forward to it for both of those things to see if they will do the right thing or if they will do the wrong thing because it can very well go either way. So I'm, I'm excited to see whether they go in the right direction or if this thing just blows up in their face again. Because I mean, we all know Roman Reigns is going to WrestleMania. It's really just a matter of whether he's winning the Rumble or is winning the Elimination Chamber that um, Raw is bound to have in February, March, whatever. So we'll see. But at least this year there's a couple different picks. I mean, last year we kind of had that too. But you got Randy Orton also kind of in the mix, and he's kind of been lurking in the background on SmackDown. Um, obviously, you got Shinsuke Nakamura, as you guys mentioned, Roman Reigns, John Cena's been rumored. Maybe they throw in a, a Samoa Joe, assuming he's clear to compete by that point, Finn Balor. There's a couple different people that they could have win this thing and go on to WrestleMania. So we'll see. But uh, expectations, I, I for me anyway, are pretty high, and I'm hoping they can uh, do right by this Royal Rumble. But... Transitioning real quick from the Royal Rumble to the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw, as we talked about earlier, a lot of names already currently lined up from Stone Cold Steve Austin to the Godfather and Brother Love. They got a lot of names lined up right now. Anyone else they have not yet yet announced? Uh, Jeff, I'll start with you. That you hope to see at that anniversary show. 
But you know what? Uh, I guess it depends on the schedule, but uh, I don't think a 25th anniversary celebration would be, uh, be kind of a little empty with a, without The Rock, you know? Maybe he can do a cameo, you know, he does show up from, you know, unexpectedly, so hopefully uh, he'll be there. And, uh, you know, uh, right now, uh, I think you got a strong list. I'm a little surprised that they were able to get uh, uh, the Dudley Boys together uh, because of uh, Bubba's contract with the Ring, Ring of Honor, but uh, I guess uh, he's allowed, you know, allowed to do that, so it's good to see the Dudley Boys there too. So uh, I think uh, I think The Rock, uh, I expect The Rock to uh, to be there in some capacity, whether it's video or, or there, but I, I, I would say that you really can't have a 25-year anniversary of The Rock. It's been a while since we've had, I mean, not including a WrestleMania, it's been a while since we've had an episode of Raw that you had both Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock on at least five or six, if not seven years. And Because um, at Raw 1000, which was also a great anniversary show, Stone Cold Steve Austin was conspicuous by his absence. The Rock was all over that show, which was great. He was entertaining. But Stone Cold was not there due to like surgery or something, so it's going to be great to have him. But yeah, it would be missing a little something if they didn't have The Rock. I have no idea what his schedule's like. We've heard nothing about that as of right now, so we'll see. Um, as you mentioned, too, that also kind of shocked me that they're bringing in Bubba Ray Dudley for the show with the Dudley Boys, which is awesome. I'm all for it. I'm very excited to see it, but yeah. I was shocked. I mean, we, we were just at Final Battle. He was there. He wrestled seemingly his final match, but from what I understand, um, obviously he's under contract to Ring of Honor for like a few more years, so maybe it's because he's not wrestling anymore that he can appear. I'm not sure, but it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. You're seeing a lot of crossover. You see Jericho like... Jericho on the WWE.com roster page, but he's wrestling at Wrestle Kingdom over in New Japan. So you got a lot I of. I gotta ask you, Graham. I gotta ask you there. What were your thoughts on Wrestle Kingdom? Did you get a chance to watch? Did you see Alpha and Omega? Just your thoughts, real quick, on on to me it was a really great event and a great way for New Japan to start out 2018. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that because when I put out this show last week, I didn't have time to talk about it because I recorded it before the uh, the show happened. But I honestly thought it was a great show. I mean, they never really disappoint from what I've seen. With the Wrestle Kingdom pay-per-views, um, I'm not a big follower of New Japan or Japanese wrestling, whatever, but I do tune in when there's like a big match. Um, I didn't just watch Jericho and Omega like I thought I would. I ended up watching the main event, the four-way for the light heavyweight or the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, and also I think uh, Cody Naibushi, which was also an excellent match. So from what I've seen, it was an awesome show. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought uh, Jericho and Omega definitely lived up to expectations and being that epic encounter. So I'll talk about it with you guys. Brian, what were your thoughts on the show if you watched it? Uh, to me, it was, I told this to Jeff, too, and I kind of said it on our show, too. It kind of reminded me why I love professional wrestling. Just because when you look at it, you might not follow it as much, or it's not as well-known as, for example, with WWE. But what you really get from it is you get great storytelling. Now, of course, there's a language barrier, but at the same time, let's let's be honest with us, wrestling is a universal language so just from the mannerisms in the ring to the way the story is built and the artistry in terms of it seems like everybody has their own creative control in their characters in a way they kind of to go out there and take risks and take chances to me it's something to, to kind of watch and admire because you know i think for the longest time ever since wcw went down there's been a, a thirst i feel for something different and thirst for competition so they're nowhere near this but to me, a, a, a promotion like New Japan could be literally that number two brand that everybody's been looking for. Now, granted, 
you have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to watch their events, but still with the streaming that they have similar to the network, you know, you have ability and with social media being as great as it is right now, everybody has access to it. So to me, the show was great. I thought it was a great way to kick off the year. Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, what could you ask for in terms of a global type of setting where you want to see something like this, a match that you thought would never happen, a true once in a lifetime top opportunity, not the whole rock and John Cena thing. So to me, it was a great match. And just to me, it makes me wonder how Russell, uh, how Wrestle Kingdom and New Japan can kind of go from here because they have a lot of momentum on their side. Yeah, I mean, someone asked me the other day in terms of uh, <clears throat> the impact that New Japan could have on the U.S. if they kind of expanded their market over here, and I feel like they kind of already have. I mean, they had a few domestic shows a few months ago, or last year, I think, maybe last summer by this point, and I think most of them did pretty well, and I think they've got a few more schedule, uh, a few more shows scheduled for like later on this year or maybe in March, right before WrestleMania, so... It looks like they're making a pretty decent dent in the U.S. market, which is great. Like you said, a perfect alternative to WWE. If you hate the current product, then you can go watch New Japan. I mean, that kind of goes for all of wrestling right now. There's a lot of different companies with Ring of Honor, Impact, Lucha when it comes back, the Indies. Wrestling right now is more diverse than it's ever really been, which is great. Uh, Jeff, any thoughts that you have on the show as well? Well, I kind of, you know, Transcendent said a lot there. Uh, everything I agree with. Uh, like you said, they're going to make strides. They're going to have shows. I am Long Beach again uh, for uh, you know uh, New Japan will be there uh, in, in California. It's going to be slow, and it's going to be you know uh, something where uh, you know to think that they can compete with WWE right away is something that you know right now it's seem like likely. But uh, they're going to make it slow. Events, you know, if you get into the, you can also catch all these shows like Ring of Honor on the fight on fight TV. Also, a great thing to do. That's also going to be some of the great Mark Cuban is actually behind it. So, he actually also wants to that can he wants to share that wrestling thing. And I think right now it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. You can get anything that you want at the tip of your fingertips on Twitter, on streaming methods. I mean, it's just a great time to be a wrestling fan. And obviously a lot of talk right now with Chris Jericho, what he's going to do next after losing to Omega at the Wrestle Kingdom show. Um, obviously setting up a match with Naito at the next night's uh, New Year's Dash show. For what point, we're not really sure yet. They seemingly set it up for their March show, which has been rumored. Um, but obviously a lot of talk right now as to whether he's going to be wrestling another match in New Japan. It seems like it will be if he's going to be back in WWE. Um, Brian, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on Jericho's immediate future. Do you want to see him wrestle another match in New Japan, or do you think another WWE run is likely, maybe as soon as the Rumble or even WrestleMania? Hmm. See, the tough thing about that is that, for me, I will always want to see Chris Jericho wrestle and perform. But, obviously, Father Time is undefeated for a reason. And for me, I think what Jericho's done in the WWE, especially his last run, is probably one of his best runs to date that I can really remember. The only thing close to that would be his rivalry when he came back after a long absence with Shawn Michaels. That would be a great rivalry. But in terms of New Japan, I think what Jericho's done in the business is enough where it's kind of interesting to see him in a different dynamic, especially in New Japan, because we all see him as a WWE guy now although he has had some time in WCW. So for me, I would like to see him continually wrestle, but there's going to reach a point for me at least where I don't want Jericho to ever reach the point where he's a shell of his former self. Not that he's there now. 
He's doing great at, at his at uh, the stage of his career. But right now, do I want to see him continue? Yeah, but more for the fact that I want to see how much he can do to help New Japan uh, become that brand now where everybody can recognize it. So I do want to see him in the ring, but maybe not as much as people want him to continue doing it. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think Jericho himself has said that when he feels like he can't continue to compete at the highest level, he's going to you know obviously move on or do other stuff or maybe not wrestle as much. And that match with Omega definitely proved that he still got it in him. And I think he wrestled a certain way where if they were going for a Matt Classic, it might not have been, like, amazing. But the fact they went for a brawl and the no-DQ match stipulation, I think, was perfect for the story they were trying to tell there. So, we'll see how a match with Naito might be different or similar to that at some point in the near future. And with WWE, I think it all really that it comes down to, is there a reason for him to be back? Like, is there someone that there is worth working with. Like in 2016, he had AJ Styles, and he was working with Kevin Owens, which was amazing. If it wasn't for that Kevin Owens angle, he probably would have left a lot sooner than he did. Um, so is there really that someone in WWE right now that he has not yet worked with, a, a guy like a Samoa Joe or a Bobby Roode, if they were at that level where they're worthy of a WrestleMania-Chris Jericho match? We'll see, but for right now, I think kind of dipping his toes into New Japan and doing what he's doing right now is kind of a great way for him to continue his career without directly working with WWE. Uh, what do you think the future holds? Actually, actually, Graham, real quick, to, yeah. to, to kind of add to that, too, in terms of working with somebody in WWE, I think somebody that Jeff had just mentioned before, you know, with the disappointment that a lot of people might have in terms of the current run for Shinsuke Nakamura, mm-hmm. I think if you worked with a guy like Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho would do everything in his power to, not that he needs to get over now, but to get into the extra level where people can now look at Shinsuke and, and look at him more as a superstar rather than just, you know, a good wrestler. Yeah, I mean, and, and listen. Oh, sorry, go and, ahead. And Chris, Jer- Chris Jericho right now is at the point where he can pick and choose if he wants to. Chris Jericho is, is at that level now. He's at that place where, like, oh, if it's this thing, he's going to do it. Just the whole thing where, you know, the whole thing where I was like, hey, I have to make it to the home. And Jericho was like, oh, yeah, get hang up because it interests him. So Jericho's going to do something that interests him and Chris Jericho, all the props in the world. He's, uh, without a doubt, in my mind, one of the greatest of all time. I mean, I think there's no doubt that he is. I mean, after the run, I mean, obviously that he's had in the last year and a half, but when you add that to everything else he's accomplished over the course of his career from the WCW stuff, the early WWE stuff, the mid-2000s stuff, I don't really think there can be uh, a doubt in the world that the guy is obviously a future Hall of Famer and one of the best of all time continuing to reinvent himself every single time people say, oh, you're done, he's getting old, it's getting stagnant, he always continues to reinvent himself, whether it's in New Japan we're in WWE, so I'm looking forward to seeing what the year holds for the Alpha for Chris Jericho in 2018, no matter where he ends up next. Hey, maybe we see him in Ring of Honor. Maybe we see him in Impact. I doubt it, but hey, his good friend Don Callis is working over there now, so we never really know where we might see Jericho end up in the near future. Um, but before we move forward into what happened this past week in WWE, uh, real quick as we move forward to the Mixed Match Challenge premiering next week on Facebook Watch for WWE pitting... Uh, intergender tag teams from Raw and SmackDown against each other. Pretty much all the pairings have been announced. I know as of this uh, recording, we do not yet know who Carmella is going to be paired with, but um, we do know all the other pairings. We got Elias and Bailey, Goldust, Alicia Fox, Asuka, Miz, Rusev, Lana, Jimmy Uso, Naomi, Bobby Roode, Charlotte. A lot of great pairings there. A lot of great pairings there. A lot of interesting dynamics and duos there between the men and women on both brands. Um, Brian, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on the upcoming show for WWE. Is it too much content for the company, or is it, and you're also excited for it as well? 
Well, from a company standpoint, there can never be too much content out there for people to watch. For me, not necessarily what they're doing here. I think it's a kind of an experiment where it's been a while since we've seen mixed match challenges because they've kind of been wanting to stay away from it to be, you know, PC and things of that nature. But uh, what, what's interesting to me about this, this exclusively internet, a Facebook thing. So it's kind of a cool dynamic because uh, Jeff and I have had discussions on the show before. And uh, I'll bring this up to you too, Graham. It's like when you really look at cable television and, and uh, you know, that works like USA, for example, that carries both Raw and SmackDown Live. I mean, at what point do you remember staying home and watching a show? When do we watch anything live anymore? So then we have Facebook Live and you have it to the benefit of watching it right directly from your phone with apps being so popular now. I think that might be the next step that WWE decides to go. I mean, look what they've done with the network. It's been up and running now and you have so much content there and so certain things are just exclusive to the network. So it's an interesting dynamic to see this mix match challenge. It gives the fans ability to... Uh, be uh, interactive with them, which is always great, and fans always like that. But at the same time, I think it's an experiment, which I think will be successful in later stages of not just 2018, but leading to 2019, where like when you look at content now, everything is portable on the phone, and there's Facebook Live and things like uh, you know the network. You don't have to worry about adhering to other people's views or regulations. You can do whatever you want. So dynamic and I think we'll be successful in the short term yeah I think so too I mean it's it's cool that it's not ending up on the network like with 205 and NXT because we already got a lot of shows on the network and they try to push that as much as they can with the pay-per-views and whatever it's cool to have something that's also not on TV but on a social media app I think like you said if this does well and there's a lot of buzz around it surprisingly when it first was announced I'm like eh I'm not sure if this is going to be all that exciting or interesting but so far, they've got me engaged in uh, what this concept might be, and obviously there's not really much on, the, uh, much on the line. It's not like the winners are going to get a title shot or anything, but it will be cool to kind of see the interaction with all the superstars and hopefully kind of open up a new door, like you said, for more stuff on social media for not only WWE, but all of wrestling in the future. Um, Jeff, your thoughts on the Mixed Match Challenge concept. Are you excited for it? Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, like, I'm trying to understand Absolutely. I mean, like you said, people were not really taking it seriously when it first was announced a few weeks ago, but so far, I mean, it's gotten people talking and that's what they look for. So I'm not sure how successful it's going to be, but as we mentioned too, hey, you're Graham, just... that's the main thing too. We're talking about it exactly. and that's what WWE wants. They want you to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. That's what they always look for. I mean, when Roman Reigns won the Rumble, everyone hated it, but hey, people were talking about it. Remember that whole canceled WWE Network movement that lasted all of like maybe five minutes? That's what they look for. Yeah. I'll believe me, Jeff was close. Jeff was very close. <laughs> he had his button on the on the cancel subscription, like, and he was, he was contemplating over it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if that. Well, let me ask you this question real quick: Would you cancel this year if Roman Reigns won the Rumble? Jeff, I'll let you take that one. Yeah. 
I'm typical to this stuff. I'm, am I going to be upset? Yes, because I think that a guy like Shinsuke should get an opportunity, just any opportunity. We know we're going to get Brock versus Roman, but the mindset would be like, oh, okay, well, Vince needs to make Roman strong now and head into the roots WrestleMania. So I could see uh, Roman doing it. Just the irony of it being back in Philly would be really hilarious. But I'm not canceling my prescri- my uh, subscription, guys. This is I'm too far into it. I'm you know, now I'll get over it the next day. They they got me. What can I do? They got me hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, as well as Jeff's prescriptions as well. He's got to stay on well, my too. subscription. Stay medicated. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for a three-hour raw. Uh, can I answer your question though? Like I wouldn't because I think it's 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 come to the realization. I think we're all aware of this. We're the demographic that he is going after. So for us to complain and, and be mad about Roman Reigns winning, I think honestly, when you really break it down, the audience was more upset for the fact that not that we hate Roman Reigns. I feel and hey, I've been giving Roman Reigns a tough time ever since Jeff and I ever discussed him. The main thing is that you know he had some momentum going, but then when you push it and you're forcing something that's not really there, that's the problem. I mean. A year down the road, now granted, careers are short, you never know what's going to happen, you never know, but there's no timetable to rush Roman Reigns. We already know he's going to be the face, or if he's not already the face of the company. So when certain storylines are so intriguing to the fans, and you decide to ignore that and say, we're going to force feed this down his throat, I think that's where the resentment comes. So I'm going to think against Roman Reigns. I think his wrestling's improved. His promos have actually improved as well. It's just in terms of the timing. The timing wasn't right at that time. Yeah, now three years removed, he's the multi-time world champion, the current Intercontinental champion. He's obviously come a long way with both his mic and uh, in-ring work, so we'll see how this you know attempt to make him the guy in WWE by unseating Brock Lesnar as the world champion, as the universal champion, will work out come WrestleMania 34. But in the meantime, like I mentioned, he is the Intercontinental champion, and it was teased this past weekend Raw. We are not even teased, it was flat-out announced that at the 25th anniversary of Raw, we are getting Roman Reigns and The Miz once again for the Intercontinental Championship. Now, um, I've talked about this a few uh, for, before a few times here on the show, but I'm going to get your guys' thoughts, starting with you, Brian. Um, who do you think can kind of take that title from Roman Reigns as we head into WrestleMania? Will it be The Miz? Will it be a guy like a Finn Balor? Will Samoa Joe get another shot as he had teased on Raw this week? What does the future of the Intercontinental Championship picture hold? I think it's kind of up in the air right now. Due to the injury of Samoa Joe, I think that was the kind of direction they were going for. Uh, and then now the Miz's return, I think right now you'd be stupid not to do that for the mere fact of how it ended before Miz took some time off to do what the Marine 15 or 17, whatever, whatever. I think Marine 20, 21, I think, I think Marine 21, uh, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, it was Marine 21. <laughs> but, uh, with that being said, it, it, it creates a storyline there, which you can immediately go into. And, you know, as much as people might, you know, bash on the Miz or maybe dislike or discredit him for a lot of things he's done, especially Daniel Bryan will say that to you, uh, you have to also give him credit where credit's due. I mean, to me, the Miz, more than anybody, has brought a lot of relevancy back to that title. I mean, now when you talk about the Intercontinental title, the Miz did a great job of being that heel champion that you chase after, and it was more for the title as opposed to the two competitors holding it. So, for me right now, the direction to go to has got to be Miz and Roman Reigns. Uh, Finn Balor, I would love to see him as a as a single champion right now, but I think the direction of going, pairing them with uh, Gallows and Anderson, kind of revitalizing what was once the Bullet Club, is going to be interesting in how they do that. So right now, for the account title, it's got to be Miz and Roman Reigns, I feel, until Samoa Joe is healthy enough to kind of work his way into that title picture. 
So, Jeff will ask you this question. What about the future of the Balor Club? I mean, last week he kind of teased, you know, the early stages of the Balor Club with Finn Balor, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson. Would it be a one-off? Would it be more than that? This week it's it was the confirmed. Bullet Club, Graham. Get it right. It's <laughs> not the Balor Club. It's the Bullet Club. The Bullet Club. Okay, so I think that was confirmed, and they also said, I think they had name-dropped, what was it, Tamatanga and Bad Luck Folly? I think they said those names <laughs> this yeah. weekend Raw, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, if you guys didn't notice, too, they also mentioned, Corey Graves said it, whether in the ring game, ready for the main event match, that they said that this group wants to be nothing more but elite, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of a, a jab at the elite, Jeff, <laughs> if you pick that one up. Yeah, which, which is <laughs> That's funny. Good. That's good. Which was great. I did pick up on that, too, which was funny, also considering the whole legal battle they're in right now with the Young Bucks and that whole thing, and they can't mention you know the too sweet, but they can mention the being the elite stuff. I mean, obviously, there's no legal issues there, but... It was just a funny thing, given the uh, tension between the two sides right now. But yeah, they are the elite of the Bullet Club, the original Bullet Club members. Balor, Anderson, Gallows emerging victorious over Shield 2.0. Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Jason Jordan in the main event. Uh, where do we go with these guys? Did they go heel? Did they win the tag team titles? What's going on with Balor Club or Bullet Club or the club or whatever the hell you want to call it right now? <laughs> Well, you know, Graham, I think one of the biggest crimes and injustices in 2017 was the way that they treated Gals and Anderson. I, I mean, they basically, you know, were kind of a, a laughingstock towards the end of 2017. You know, they had come from Japan. They had done, you know, done such great things over there. And they came here as a legit tag team. And then they kind of kind of been discredited uh, as late 2017. So when you put them together with Finn Balor, um, you know, I just need to see a little bit more. I need to see more wins. I need to see them, you know, uh, really more credible. Yeah, they took a big step this past Monday with a win over the I just need to see more. I just want to see if WWE is in on these guys and whether they can like really legitimate be Balor Club. You know, uh, I'm pulling for these guys because they're great. I mean, Finn Balor still still not in the Universal Title picture because let's face it, uh, right now. Raw is Land of the Giants, so you know having Finn Balor do something is always great. I love to see him in the title picture. Uh, so you don't don't know if that's going to happen, but right now having the club back, I mean, I really want to invest. So I'm going to give it a couple of weeks uh, to see where they go with this. But they took a big step this past Monday, beating Owens uh, uh, Reigns and Jason Jordan. So we'll see what goes from there. But they really have to build up Gallows and Anderson a lot. For me to, you know, take them seriously. So I think those are the right step. The future is going to be, you know, uh, dependent on just their wins and losses, basically, because they did a lot to kill the momentum of uh, Gallows and Anderson. So I, I just want to see them uh, win more, and then I'll make a, a more prediction or a more analysis of where, you know, where, where the battle goes from there. But um, what I'm going to say is, the other time about the I want to ask you guys one thing. I love the fact that he's a promo guy. I love it. And that's what it's all about. But I'm having a tough time thinking of any match where the Miz is left me like going, wow, I got to watch that over For the Miz? I mean... I mean, in the last... Exactly. Year, uh, well, well, I will say, I will say, the matches with Dolph Ziggler were great. And the guy's never been like a Shawn Michaels in the ring, obviously. Uh, I mean, he had, he's had a lot of good matches in the last year. Like, very good, maybe not great matches. You know, with the likes of Roman Reigns. With Roman Reigns. Um, Roman Reigns. I can't really think of anyone else that comes to mind. <laughs> that comes to mind right now. 
Um, that's I don't, that's a great well, question. You know, Graham, my argument to that with Jeff, and I've had this discussion with him several times, is that you know Jeff's the first one to give Mezalov credit, but when he came to match, he's like, "What match did he last have that was so incredible?" You're like, "Wow." Well, let's be honest, and, and maybe this is a bad example too, because apples and oranges. But what was the last great match I saw John Cena in? I mean, a lot of people would say AJ Styles and John Cena, but how much of that was John Cena? How much of that AJ? So the thing is, the care, but to me, the character of what made John Cena so important, what made his reign as champion so important, that he could sell you into the building. Now, Miz probably is not going to sell the same amount of merch. He's not going to sign enough autographs. The amount of people following him like John Cena. But him, just by his character alone, made that title relevant. So that's more than you could say flip-flop the title back and forth with a guy like, for example, you know, you know Finn Balor right now, which they're not behind at all. So a lot of people, like diehards like ourselves, would be behind Finn Balor being the Intercontinental Champion. But maybe the general audience wouldn't be behind him as much as they are behind the Miz right now. So to me, he's made irrelevant. You don't, at this day and age right now, and I used to be the one that your in-ring work had to be better than your promos and stuff like that to be considered a champion, whether it be the WWE champion, Universal, Intercontinental, US, et cetera, et cetera. But nowadays, as we have to admit, it's not about the in-ring work anymore. It's about how you can sell the people on the microphone. And to me, the Miz has done that. I mean, the obvious argument is, what was the last match, any great match, that Jinder Mahal ever had? And the guy was champion for six months. Like, that's that's all I was thinking of. Before you even said John Cena, I thought you were going to say Jinder. And I think the guy has done... In the ring, he's had very good matches. He's not bad, I think is the key here. He's not terrible. And I think he can't hold his own against very good guys when he's in the ring with a guy like AJ Styles or, you know, whoever else, or Seth Rollins or whatever, or Finn Balor. I don't know. I think I think he can hold his own in that top position. I think he belongs at that top position because I think we've been there, done that with the IC title seven times. I mean, I mean he does great work with the belt, and as you guys mentioned, I mean he's helped definitely revitalize the Intercontinental Championship. But it's time for something new. Maybe after WrestleMania, he moves back to the SmackDown side and gets elevated back to the main event scene because right now what he's doing is is great. But it's it's time for something new in the Miz Taraj. Maybe they go with him. Who knows? Um, but the Balor Club is kind of in that same spot. Do they go with Finn Balor to SmackDown if he goes over to SmackDown post-WrestleMania? I would hope so. Um, you know, like we just discussed, I mean, those guys really did not do much of 2017 at all to kind of change the way that fans look at them after the Trick or Street fight, that five-star classic with Heath Slater and Rhino that pretty much buried their careers in WWE 5, uh, you know, six feet under. So we'll see. We'll see. A lot of these guys are kind of in a... In a, in a weird spot right now where it's kind of make or break time going into WrestleMania, including Woken Matt Hardy, who had his in-ring debut this past weekend, Raw, beating Kurt Hawkins. A lot of uh, a lot of mixed responses, kind of a mixed bag from fans on social media coming out of Raw, where it was a good first match for Hardy, but it wasn't really the match that got people talking. It was the laugh-off between Wyatt and Hardy, which was, which was cool the first time. The second time, it was kind of like, okay, been there, done that. The third time, when we started on Raw this week, it's like, uh, you know, we, yeah, I don't know. Um, and people aren't really sold that Woke and Matt Hardy, Broke and whatever, is going to work in WWE. So, Jeff, I want to start with you. Your current thoughts on Woke and Matt Hardy in WWE, are they doing right by the gimmick or no? I'm going to say is if, if they're in on this, if they're, like, you know, and all in on the gimmick and they have Matt Hardy and they let him be that character him with creative control uh i'm gonna say it would work out right now it's kind of like head scratcher with bray wyatt uh bray wyatt doesn't have the best reputation of you know last year and house of and all that 
the rivalry with Randy Orton and the whole Finn Balor fiasco that, you know, really take off. Um, you know, so a lot of, you know, doubt on whether Bray and Matt can pull this off. I'm going to wait and see. But as far as the Woken character, um, of course, the, the WWE wants to make it their own, so they're not going to go with Broken Matt Hardy. But I'm going to take a wait and see attitude on this. Um, I'm going to see where they go. But I would really like, I'd be more confident if I really knew that Matt had creative control of, uh, of this character. So I'm going to, you know, keep looking. Uh, I'm going to, you know, just observe and see where they go. But if they do let Matt be Matt, then I think that the character will take off. And I think a lot of people are open to it. They want to see it. They, they cheer for it. It's not not like they didn't know him from uh, from what he was doing in Impact. I mean, when he made the debut, everyone was going, delete, delete, delete. So uh, I think people uh, are pulling for it. And I just think that if Matt has creative control, I think that it will uh, do a good job. I think so far they have given him that creative control. Not maybe 100%. But it's definitely evident in like the promos, unless they were closely following the promos. He was he was uh, cutting an impact and other companies and stuff. It seems pretty obvious that he has some control over what he's saying and what he's doing. Though I do hope at some point they kind of go further outside of the box and they have him film some stuff at the Hardy Compound, which was what got this gimmick over in the first place when they did the whole final deletion stuff. A lot of yeah. of what got that character over an impact was the stuff they did not in the impact zone, but at the Hardy Compound with Senor Benjamin and. And, uh, and his wife, Rebby Hardy, and all the others, and his sons. So we'll see where they go with it. I would hope they kind of go that route, because we've seen it before in WWE with, uh, with the Wyatt family compound. It wasn't very good, but they've done it before. So I have hope they can do it again. Um, Brian, what are your thoughts on the Woken Matt Hardy stuff so far? To me, it's interesting. Uh, I think what Jeff was talking about, yeah, I think the fans are craving for Matt to kind of do this gimmick, the combination of the broken Woken Matt Hardy. But I think what what fails to what fails in translation to the audience is the mere fact that you know whether he has creative control or not, I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know the behind the scenes that kind of stuff. But to me, it's like when you compare it to Impact and how impactful it was there, it's because to me a smaller audience or a diehard audience was watching that and wanted to see it here, which is why you saw the reaction he did at WrestleMania. And you still see the reactions with the deletion thing, delete, delete, delete. That's great. But I think from a general audience perspective, they don't get it. And the way to be is presenting, they're presenting in a way where I feel like they're holding back as well. So I hope for the best here. You want it to be the best. But for me, honestly, at this point, I'm just glad that Matt Hardy's doing something constructive instead of being a jobber guy. Because when, when we saw the Hardys come back, it was like, okay, at what point are we going to separate these two? Because at the same time, they've been so good independently. You're not, you're bringing them back more for for a nostalgia. To get it. when does the nostalgia wear off? I hope that's not the case with Matt. I hope for the best, but unfortunately, what we've seen with Bray Wyatt, for example, I don't think that type of gimmick, that type of mindset, unless you're the Undertaker and you've done this for a really long time, is going to get over that much anymore. I mean, Finn Balor does this thing with the Demon. But at the same time, he does that periodically. He's still himself. He's not this entity like Bray Wyatt has. And we see his track record. And with Matt Hardy, I'm not 100% confident this whole Awoken is going to work out. I mean, I have faith that it will. I mean, it is WWE after all. They like to take their, you know, take gimmicks and put their own twist on it. 
I do want to think it will work just because Matt Hardy is involved in the process, but it's, it's hard to have faith of the company that puts guys, like I said, Gallows and Anderson in trick-or-street fights, or they have Shinsuke Nakamura lose on back-to-back pay-per-views to Jinder Mahal. So you, they don't have the most stellar track record when it comes to people that aren't really their homegrown stars and putting them at the spot they deserve to be at. So, again... And, just, and Graham, just look at this, for example. Look at the whole Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt track record here. I mean, everything he said, he's the eater of worlds, he's all of this, all of that, and he can't win the big one. And he gets beaten, and then he comes with the same stick over and over again. I mean, at what point do we say to ourselves, maybe there's something wrong with this guy because maybe he's believing in his own hype because from the perspective of the audience, you're nothing that you claim to be. And with Matt Hardy... At what point did he become awoken? I mean, he talked about it, but they didn't show stages of maybe him kind of snapping and twisting into this new entity, which is Woken Matt Hardy. So I think that's where they fail at WWE to kind of present it to you. They'll just say, hey, we packed this up now. He's a different person, and I believe it, rather than ignoring the fact that we have eyes and we clearly see that, all right, one day, Graham, you're this cool, calm, collective guy, and all of a sudden you start uh, talking, talking with an accent tomorrow. There has to be a transition there somewhere mm-hmm. on why this is happening, why it's occurring. You can't just, for example, all right, it's Monday, a week went by, so now you're invoking Matt Hardy. You're no longer Matt Hardy from uh, from the Hardy Boys era. So to me, that's where I lose it. And I think people shit on it in Impact when he was doing the whole... Because at first, I don't think people really get it that when he first started doing the broken stuff in TNA, people hated it. Like, there was a transition there, but there was a story being told. He had the whole feud with Jeff... And he had the uh, hair change. Like, he's had the hair change in WWE since he came back. He's always had that crazy look. Now he's just only really doing the accent. So it's really not that much of a transition other than the fact he was on a losing streak. And I think he hit the nail right in the head, too. What scares me more than anything is that Bray Wyatt is one of their own guys. Like, that's a homegrown WWE star. And they screwed up his career arguably like three or four years ago. So what makes me think that they're going to take Matt Hardy's gimmick, which was born in Impact and grown elsewhere... And do right by that in 2018. So, again, I have faith that they will do right by it. But with a guy like Bray Wyatt, I mean, who wins here? I mean, Matt Hardy's got to win in his first exactly, you know, few exactly. broken. Because you, you bear either Bray more mm-hmm. or you bear taking off this character. So what do you do? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's tough. Exactly. So does Bray lose again? Does he lose another big one? Like, I think I'm going to start taking bets on who's going to lose to WrestleMania at WrestleMania this year. He's already lost John Cena, Undertaker, Randy Orton got, and I don't use the word buried often, but he got verbally buried by The Rock at WrestleMania 32. It's like each year the guy's like the reverse Undertaker. At this point, let's have him just go 0-20 at WrestleMania. I would expect him to lose and Apollo Crews to get his win back over Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania 34. That's honestly where it's getting at for me. So I hope that's not the case, but again, with this company, I you never really know what to expect, and that's both a good and a bad thing. Um, and that also includes the Women's Royal Rumble, kind of go full circle, a few uh, news and notes here as we close off the episode. Just reading a, f- a few minutes ago, Ronda Rousey meeting with Triple H after Tuesday night SmackDown, or during Tuesday SmackDown, missing those tapings, to meet with Ronda Rousey to have dinner. For what reason? We can only assume to bring her into WWE. Now, this has been rumored for months now, but it seems like it might be a reality come the Royal Rumble. Um, Jeff, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on the very likely pending debut of Ronda Rousey in WWE. Is it something you want to see, and how should it be done? Uh, I think that, again, it's WWE trying to get headlines, and uh, of course I wouldn't wouldn't mind seeing her there. It, let's, let's just say, guys, right? It's inevitable, right? I mean, it's going to happen one way or another. I think mostly, like, 
towards mania probably uh stuff that i read that she's shooting a movie in columbia or something like that's gonna be kind of tough for to uh to uh but let me ask guys i mean it's not if it's one she's gonna be in the she's gonna have that it really is only inevitable i mean again we all figured it was gonna happen at some point in the very near future especially with wrestlemania right around the corner and there's a few different choices for her to face off against from Asuka and, um, you know, a few other people, including Charlotte Flair. So there's obviously a place for her on the card. And they need, they desperately need, and I talked about this last week, they need a one-on-one women's match at the pay-per-view. Um, just because we've had all these multi-women matches for so many years now, they really need to kind of move forward from that and get back to one-on-one feuds, hopefully involving Ronda Rousey. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on Ronda Rousey possibly or very likely coming into the company? Where do you think she kind of goes from here? Yeah, the thing on Ronda Rousey, well, I think it's cool to make the comparison that, hey, we both know mixed martial arts and wrestling, you know, they kind of go hand in hand when you see people doing promos or WWE promos in the octagon. Uh, Ronda Rousey's uh, interest of wanting to be in the WWE, you know, from a fan perspective, if you're a diehard, this is a terrible idea. How dare she step into the ring? Same thing, like, why is CM Punk stepping to the octagon? But it's publicity. It makes sense. What I'm a little bit down on the fact that the whole four horsewomen concept, that kind of died down immediately. We know that's not going to happen. In terms of Ronda Rousey being in the WWE, whether it's a one-off or she wants to kind of do this as a second career, because it kind of seems like she's with mixed martial arts at this point in her life. um, Similar to CM Punk getting his ass kicked by Mickey Gall. I mean, ultimately, you knew what the outcome was going to be. So to me, that's where I'm concerned with. But I think Ronda Rousey being part of WWE, it makes both. It makes great business sense on both sides. And Graham, I'm going to say one thing: you cannot be, you cannot have, because they've worked like two years to make Oscar special, right? She's with the Rumble, okay? She's with the Rumble. She's born in there. There's no way on the first time being with Oscar and Peter because you worked too long to build someone up. Yeah, I hope not. I mean, that would be worst-case scenario where they pulled up Asuka in her undefeated streak for two, three years, and then she just loses to Ronda Rousey, and then Ronda leaves, and that's it. And then we're left with Asuka with a, with a loss on a record for no, for no apparent reason at all. So I hope that's not where we're headed, at least not right now. I mean, I think that'd be a big money match. You could still do it at WrestleMania 34, but I think it'd be a bigger match like next year, and Asuka would have to win. Um, you don't just bring her in just to, you know, bring Asuka up to the main roster only to lose six months in to Ronda Rousey, which I get it because she's a legit fighter. I understand that. And she's still a way bigger star than most of the roster, despite the fact she looked like a loser in her last fight a little over a year ago. Um, but you just don't bring her in to be Asuka and then leave. But again, we've seen the company do dumber things, so it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but I hope that's not the direction they're going in with Asuka and, and bringing in Rousey come the Women's Royal Rumble. Um, but one quick thing I do want to get your guys' thoughts on before I let you go. Cody Rhodes revealing that his all-in event, the big WrestleMania event of the independent scene, I guess, for 2018, is set for September 1st. A lot of talk about maybe Daniel Bryan being a part of it. He leaves WWE to wrestle again. Um, Jeff, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on the upcoming event, and how do you think it kind of uh, shapes the remainder of 2018? Who do you think is going to be a part of it? Are you looking forward to it? How do you see this kind of shaping out? I think it's for business. I think it's great for being a wrestling fan. I think that it just shows you, for example, if you're a wrestler and you're not happy, take a of yourself. You know, take a chance on you because that's what 2017 is kind of the model for 
customers or anyone on yourself. Look what Cody's done. Look how Cody's branded himself. He's been comes back to the community. He's gonna be even bigger. He's gonna be able to dictate dictate his terms. So I think that's gonna be great. I think it's great for the business. Something that wow, it's something that's not WWE that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, exactly. I think it benefits everyone involved, from the wrestlers to the fans. It's something that everyone's looking forward to that's not WWE you know, themed. So it, it should be a great thing for everyone involved. I'm looking forward to, like I said, September 1st. So it should be a big event, depending on who they get for it. But Cody Rhodes has already set the Young Bucks, and that's really all you need. I can imagine Cody, uh, Kenny Omega will also be a part of that event as well later on this year. Um, Jeff, or Brian, I'm sorry, your quick thoughts on the event as well. Well, in a nutshell, kind of piggybacking off what Jeff said, ultimately what this means to me as a fan is that it finally puts, to me, control back into the wrestler in the talent's hands. It's not like, for example, you're going to a certain promoter or promotion for this type of publicity. It's kind of proven what Jeff said. You can go outside of this gigantic world, which is called WWE, and even though, for example, a guy like Cody, who first started off there, made a name for himself, used that marketing and brand to help himself outside on the independent scene but still you could create a name for yourself with social media being as big as it is and make it and market yourself to the point with what the young bucks are doing and as much as people want you know despite what they want to think about the elite and stuff like that how goofy they are they are tremendously smart businessmen and this is living proof of it so to me it brings control back to the wrestlers hands and also, it just shows what we kind of talked about when we mentioned New Japan and Ring of Honor and these type of promotions, that there's something else out there to watch. It's not just, I mean, hey, I love WWE. I'm always going to watch it. But at least there's something else out there rather than just watching what people force you to watch sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It always feels like with WWE, it's always a chore to watch with a lot of their shows from Raw to SmackDown and the pay-per-views. And like I said, from a business standpoint, there's never such thing as too much content, but there is for fans. They kind of reach a point of oversaturation. So um, it is cool that at least there is alternatives now, like I said earlier, with possibly Lucha coming back, with New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, and now this all-in event that Cody Rhodes will be producing, hopefully in association with Ring of Honor, which he's, the company is currently in. So maybe we see those two teams or two the, those two companies, those two sides work together to put together the biggest show possible for September 1st. But that's many months down the road. First, we got the Royal Rumble, the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw, the Mixed Match Challenge, New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom is already in the rearview mirror. It's already been a pretty big and notable 2018 for the entire wrestling world, and it's only January. So I, for one, am looking forward to it. Um, as we clo- a close off here, Jeff, any final word? And also, where can the people find you on the social media machine? Well, first of all, man, I just want to thank you for having us on. Uh, really respect what you do. It's so much better to be on this side of the microphone than you Stop know, kissing on your side. But uh, no, but thanks for having us on. Really appreciate it. And you can find the High Spot Podcast on Twitter. Follow us at High Spot Podcast. Also, our Facebook page, uh, High Spot Podcast, and also our brand new YouTube channel. Man, really pushing this because we've got a, a great. Uh, interviews with uh, teams like LAX. We've got Alberto, we've got Adam Page. Um, so many great things on the horizon. Uh, also, too, again, we will also be making our new comment through the abuse for the company in New Jersey. We have a new called Gross uh, Matt. We're going to make our uh, uh, commentary debuts, too. We also will be the Russell of February the 3rd. Google Play, every everywhere you 
uh, podcast right there. We also are part of the Shining Wizards Network and B Plus Play Radio Network too, so you can find us there. So, uh, really appreciate you having us on, man. Of course, dude. A long time coming. Great to talk to you guys again after we first initially spoke about a year ago. Hopefully not the last time you guys will be welcome back here to WrestleRant Radio. I had a great time talking to you guys here today. So thank you guys for coming on first and foremost. Um, but before I let you go, Brian, any anything to add to what Jeff just said or anywhere else where we could find you? Uh, well, yeah, I think Jeff kind of said all where you can find us. I, I think for me, 2018 is just an exciting year, not just for you know, the Jersey Wrecking Crew and for you, Graham, yourself, for your show. But also, I think 2017 was such a boom in professional wrestling. It's such a great time to be a fan or be a talent, I think. But also, I think it's a great time for individuals like ourselves covering it because there's just so much content now to talk about, as opposed to talking about the same thing over and over again. So I think, you know, Jeff asked me a couple of uh, couple shows ago, you know, if I had one word to describe what 2018 will be, everybody talks about, you know, the women's revolution. I think it's going to be a revolution in professional wrestling. I really have that feeling that now in terms of, you know, I think – it's not going to happen in 2018, but we're going to start seeing the building blocks of actually there being competition amongst promotions, but healthy competition. And, you know, back to, to, during the Attitude Era or in the 90s or when there's the Territory Days, whichever fan of wrestling you are in genre, there's nothing better than competition. When people are going out there and trying to top each other and trying to see who's the better brand. And to me, if that does happen... Uh, it'll be a great time for all of us. And as opposed for me, I mean, like Jeff mentioned before, we have a YouTube channel. We do a lot more video content out there. I also have an individual video content and association with the High Spot Podcast. It's called Adventures with the Trendsetter. If you guys go on there right now, you'll see uh, episodes uh, that I posted myself individually where I actually went to Exotica 2017 in Edison, New Jersey, and I interviewed some uh, some very famous adult film actresses, the likes of Jessa Rhodes, Nina Paul, Angela White, and Vicky Chase will be to today. And on Friday, you'll get Tegan Presley and Phoenix Marie. Sounds good. Well, people could check all that exciting stuff out. A lot of cool things going on, not only with you guys, but also with 2018 in general. You pretty much hit the nail right on the head. Healthy competition. That's what I'm hoping for personally. Um, I think we just lost Jeff on the other line by accident. I'm not sure if he hung up or we just my service has been pretty bad. Um, but Brian, thank you guys for joining us. And I really, really appreciate you guys coming on Russell Rant Radio here today, dude. Hey, man, the pleasure is all ours. Uh, anytime you want to do this again, uh, we would love to have you back on the show, the High Spot Podcast. We'll have to do this again. There's just something, Graham, about talking to individuals that just are passionate about wrestling, and it's just a conversation. It's not really an interview. It's really just people talking about stuff that they're really passionate about, and you don't see that nowadays because, unfortunately, not naming any names, but sometimes people complain and they, they moan and they think they can be bookers. But at the same time, it's all about the benefit of, of – the, the product itself uh, always getting better, and that's what we strive for. Absolutely, dude. It's kind of far and few between these days with people kind of not losing their passion for pro wrestling, but a lot of people just kind of pooping on the product in general. So it's always cool to have you guys on the show and people like you guys to kind of always chat and shoot the breeze about pro wrestling. So again, dude, thanks for coming on the show. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Take care. Once again, a big thanks to Jeff and Brian for coming here on WrestleRant Radio for the first time ever as we quickly approach the most exciting time of the year for WWE and pretty much all of wrestling. WrestleMania season, we're going to be talking more about the Royal Rumble and the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw on next week's show as well as the coming weeks here on WrestleRant Radio. But in the meantime and in between time, you guys can find me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant, on Facebook as well at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. Find me on YouTube, subscribe to the channel at YouTube.com backslash C backslash GrahamGSM Matthews. And last but certainly not least, 
Listen to new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday right here, not only on NextDayWrestling.net, but also on iTunes. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the show, rate, review, all that stuff is amazingly appreciated. You not get every, you not only get every new episode on Thursdays, but every archived episode as well, um, dating back to October of 2013. Nearly five years worth of shows, so a great deal, completely free. That being said, folks, we'll be back right here on WrestleRant Radio with an all-new episode next Thursday. Until then, have a great rest of your week. I'm Graham G.S.M. Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Do I, do I, do I